0: to breaking down bits a conversation about great comedy bits with the comedians who wrote and performed
1: them welcome to breaking down bits i'm brian gendron
0: i'm drew jordan we're good to be uh, we're happy to be back uh, knocking out some podcasts having some great conversations about comedy um, another great way to have a conversation about comedy is to pop in on that Breaking Down Bits feedback mic every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Share some jokes, get some feedback, maybe get a tag, help other comics from around the nation and around the globe do the same. Um, it's just such a fun time, <clears throat> such a fun time, and we'd love to have you in there. Uh, it's it's also just fun to meet people who listen to the podcast and get some hang time. So do that every Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern. We'd love to have you.
1: Yeah, you can email us in at BreakingDownBits at gmail.com. Uh, ask us for a spot in the following Tuesday or just give us a date and we'll get you on. Or you can DM us on sliding to the DMs on uh, Instagram or Facebook <laughs> or wherever you find us at Breaking Down Bits. Uh, yes. Those have been a lot of fun and Iron Sharpens Iron. It's been uh, helping me really grow my comedy. So come check us out. Come hang with us. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about callbacks, man. We just had our man, Mr. Plitt on. What, what do you think?
0: Yeah, Jeff was great. Um, very technical, very smart, very organized guy. Uh, I think one of the things that um, was super interesting that I've heard before and I've seen it before, but I totally forgot about it, was this late night writer. I forgot the name, uh, her name, um, but it's this list of transitions. And it's like, um, and, the, and and that's weird because, or and the weird part is, or and and when asked for a comment, he replied, And it's all these little transitions you can put after because he uses them for like monologues, monologue style jokes, uh, for like headlines, but it's a fun way to get yourself unstuck. If you have like an idea and you're trying to write a joke and you don't quite have an angle, sometimes all it takes is just the right little transition to put your brain on the right path. So, um, you know, we'll probably share that uh, online or you can, you can Google that transitions, uh, list. We'll, we'll figure out, we'll try to remember which late night, uh, writer that was, but, just a great little technique.
1: Yeah, we often talk about prompts, which is to get you started, but rarely do we talk about what keeps you going, and, and those transitions are absolutely uh, a way to do that. The I, I like that as well, Drew. One of the other things that I took away from Jeff's in, incredible process is uh, he talks about writing monologue jokes and using Feedly as a tool to uh, curate headlines <clears throat> from pop culture, from uh, political, from you know world news, and then he uses those to write punchlines and tags. And so <clears throat> just a way to continuously be writing, uh, he said he, he sits down and he writes 30 in two hours, and he's very disciplined about how he goes through that, and he, he even talked about not spending too much time on one joke, just moving on to the next, kind of like test-taking as a kid. So uh, just methodical, and and seems like he does this week in, week out, holds himself accountable. His whole process is really interesting, but Feedly is something – where I'm going to welcome back news into my life to start um, creating more comedy.
0: Also, I feel like we have to double callback. Um, this is a, this is a breaking down bits exclusive, the double callback. Uh, another thing that I think we can't, uh, I haven't heard anyone really talk about is the fact that he has a, you know, a group of dudes we we workshop jokes all the time with friends, but he he workshops these these TikTok videos and he'll send them to friends, get feedback, see which ones connect. I think a lot of times we just create something and hit send, and it just goes out to our social media, um, and maybe we don't employ the same uh, rigorous um, testing and and trying and editing that we do on a, on stage online. So that's an interesting thought. Like, hey, before I post my next video. Uh, Or if I have a couple of videos that I'm considering posting, maybe I send those all to my a couple of friends that I trust their opinion on, see which ones they connect with, see which ones they like the most. Just a little more data to work with before you decide what to share. It could help you be just that much more successful.
1: Absolutely. Well, go ahead and make sure you go listen to that episode and all of our episodes on BreakingDownBits.com. You can find them there. You can also find them all on YouTube and wherever it is you get your podcasts. You want to get a guest in?
0: Yeah, let's go for it. Originally from San Francisco, Caitlin Palufo is a comedian currently living in Brooklyn, New York. She started her stand-up career after a brief six-year stint in art school where she studied performative video art, which is apparently a thing. Palufo is open for comedians like Maria Bamford, Gilbert Godfrey, Gary Goldman, and Colin Quinn. You can see her in New York and touring clubs nationwide, and she's also participated in the Breakout Artist series for Carolines on Broadway.
1: Hey, Caitlin, how you doing? Thanks for coming on.
2: Oh, thanks for having me. Um, this is great. What a fun little video. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: definitely ripped a lot from your bio and your your college degree. Was oh,
2: yeah, it's real. It's um, it's technically they call it new forms, um, but okay. it was uh, photography, video, and performance is what I did. Um, oh, hey, but, yeah. sounds like
0: a great that's used for like really a really great degree for someone who wants to do comedy. Well,
2: uh, not you would think all the buzzwords, <laughs> but really, um, not helpful at all. I use none of it, um. <laughs> Uh, also, I was screaming. It's Lori Kilmartin is the writer who had that. Yep. Uh, I was just screaming into Thank the abyss, <laughs> and it kept telling me my mic was off. I was like, "Lori, <laughs> it's Lori Kilmartin," and she also just came out with a new album, so everybody should check out Lori Kilmartin. She's wonderful. Um, she awesome. was actually Thank a big you. hero of mine when I first started. So <laughs> nice. I well, love her.
0: Thanks yeah. for listening on the intro. We appreciate yeah. that.
2: Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm you got me for an hour, baby, and I will <laughs> give it my all. <laughs>
1: That's the awesome. way we the way we start our show, Caitlin, is we'd like to learn about you and your career trajectory. So we know about your degree. Uh, sure. Unless your stand-up started before you went to college, which some people have. Uh, talk to us about early going and stand up, how you got involved, and then you know, sort of your trajectory, any breaks you had along the way. Give yeah, us a journey.
2: Sure. Uh, my journey. Oh my God, that belongs on a pillow. Um, my <laughs> my comedy journey uh, started later. I started when I was twenty-seven. Um I uh, always wanted to do it, but I didn't quite have the guts. Uh, I thought for some reason, I thought you really needed to go to like performance school, like theater or be a writer or something in order to do comedy. And that I did my first open mic and I was like, oh, anybody can do this. It does not. <laughs> there is no requirement. Um, so uh, I started like, any open mic. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I mean, the mentally unhinged go. So it's just like, oh, I'm fine. Um, but uh, yeah, I started uh, what happened was I uh, didn't know how to start at all I just knew I wanted to do stand-up because I'd been a fan for a long time but not in the point not to the point of like uh, understanding the process um, back then there weren't as many podcasts as there are now um, so I didn't know how to write a joke or any that open mics were even a thing so I literally googled how to do stand-up comedy and um, or how to start and uh, there was like a free seminar, uh, by a, uh, like, a, one of those like comedy schools or whatever, you know, the ones that are always just trying to steal your money. Um, they did like a free workshop. And then at the end, they gave away a class. They pulled a name out of the hat and it was me. Uh, and so I had no choice but to do comedy then. And then, um, I didn't look back. I did that class and I was like, Oh, the shoe fits. And then, um, uh, from then I, uh, kind of just nonstop. In New York, you can really do like 15 million mics a day. So it was from zero to a hundred for me, I would say. And,
1: uh, how, yeah. How many, really, how many really though do you think at your peak, oh, like open mic? Oh,
2: 30, be- um, 28? 30 a week. Yeah. yeah. And that was working wow. nights. Um, I worked oh, in wow. a restaurant three nights a week, so you could really get after it and you would do like four or five at night. Um, Yeah. And so you don't really have friends. Your friends become open mic people and, uh, that's just your, you build a community really fast. And that's why I think New York comics kind of have the rep of being very efficient and very like punchline driven because you do these open mics and you have maybe two to five minutes. And so you get up, you start right away, you go, and then you literally leave and go to the next mic and you do it all over again. Um, And uh, it takes a lot to be noticed because there's 30 to 40 comics at every mic. Um, And so it literally weeds out the week very quickly. Um, But uh, I was like kind of an old bitch when I started. So I was like, these toddlers can't hurt me, you know. So, (laughs) yeah, what are they going to say that I haven't already said in therapy? So I just (laughs) kind of took off running. Um, And I was able to make friends quickly. And then hosting was the biggest thing that helped me um, Mm. get out of the open mic scene. Uh, and I still do open mics. I have nothing against open mics. Um, I do them when I need them. Uh, but hosting was the biggest, uh, uh, help for me that got me into clubs quickly. And that got me on the road quickly. Um,
0: Mm. what um, aspect of hosting. Yeah. How does that work? work? Yeah.
2: Hosting. Well, that same, uh, company laughing Buddha, um, they ran mics. They ran like three mics a night and uh they were expensive though you had to pay five bucks to do the mic and then another five bucks for a drink so it was ten bucks to do a mic and i couldn't afford that um and so they said if you host you can do it for free and so i was like great i'll host these open mics and um that gets you really strong because you're going up first and then you're doing short bits in between to keep the energy high um and uh, so it really makes you think on your feet and be present. I think that's being present is such a important part of comedy that people don't really talk about. They're like joke writing, mm-hmm. joke structure. No, you have to be in the room because we're all looking at the same shit, you know. So it's um, that was a really good lesson to learn. And then just thinking quick on your feet and not being afraid to talk to people. I think I've never been afraid to hold a conversation. and so that helps with like, Hosting. You know, if someone speaks out, you're not like, oh, what do I do? You're just like, shut up, bitch. Or just like, you just kind of talk to them like a nice person. But now I think I'm meaner. (laughs) But before I was nice, I was like, oh, and what are your hopes and dreams? And uh, (laughs) but now I'm like, you better shut the hell up, you know, but uh, do a
0: full on counseling session as the host up on the stage.
2: Exactly. Exactly. It's just like you might need more help, I think. (laughs) But uh, yeah, hosting, I think as a beginning comic is the best thing you can do. How many Um, years did you host? I I think I stopped hosting this year. Um, I hosted probably from my second year, like getting paid to host probably from my second year until this year. So I I would say five years I hosted and, um, yeah, I don't host, I stopped hosting on the road a while after I did Colbert, I stopped hosting on the road. Um, but, uh, but still hosted in the city and stuff like that. And now since I started doing the seller, I stopped, I started saying no to hosting because I just don't have time. Uh,
1: to do it. We're hosting, we host now, we host a ton of shows and Mm -hmm. you're right. Getting those reps is important, but I'm I'm kind of beating myself up now. I'm like, look, you got to find those, like you mentioned those jokes in between sets to keep Mm -hmm. the energy moving, keep the show going. Yeah, Um, We we do some tricks, like we play music and stuff. So it would go without me, but I just think to get better, I think that's Mm -hmm. your opportunity to grow and get better to your point.
2: Yeah. And it's uh, I, for a while, I would always try and riff on the, previous comic's last joke. Mm-hmm. Um or uh riff on the crowd, uh their reaction to that last joke or that last comic. Well mm. it, only if they did well. Uh if they didn't do well
0: then don't <laughs> you make, guys hated that? Yeah,
2: huh? yeah. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> you guys seem unhappy. Um <laughs> yeah, what happened? No. Uh <laughs> yeah.
0: what a train <laughs> wreck, eh? <right? laughs>
2: I know. Nightmare. <laughs> um, but uh yeah so I just um yeah. That's being quick in between, just keep the energy high. If the energy's already high and that person did well, just don't even, Hey, that was great. Let's keep it going. And then just keep going. But if the, if it dips, you really got to use your quickest jokes to get them back and happy again yeah. and set up the next comic on a high.
0: Yeah. I love the yeah. presence thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if everyone else has the similar experience, but I, I, in my transition of time doing comedy, I remember early on, I say that there was like a fog. It mm-hmm. was just the audience was in a fog. I was yeah. in my head. I was just trying to tell the jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, they could drop a platter of, of crystal and, and shatter. Every, and I would just mm-hmm. play. I would just plug right through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then as, time's go- as time has gone on, I found myself able to to finally see the audience and hear the audience. And and now I feel like as it's still progressing, I'm able to perceive better what the audience is thinking and mm-hmm. and and under and hear myself and try to put myself in there. Oh, they I said that weird and they're thinking I said I meant this and Did you have a, did you feel like you had a similar progression? Like, is that normal or how did it work for you? Were you always just very perceptive from the get-go?
2: No, not at all. Um, I think I was like you, I was so intimidated by being on stage that I was just trying to remember the jokes, you know? One time I came up with cue cards trying to read verbatim and I was like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) And it bombed, it bombed terribly. (laughs) And um, so, yeah, I mean, it took a while. I remember one time I, it was like my, first or second year doing comedy, I finally got booked on a show. It was a hostel show. So that means it's bad. It's a very bad show. It's a bunch of international drunk people who don't speak English sitting in a basement of a hostel in Bushwick and just being like, what is she talking about? You know, because they literally don't speak English. But um, I remember one time I was doing this show and I, of course, brought my friends because, you know, oh, guys, I'm like a professional. I was so bad. God damn, I was bad. <laughs> but um, they they came. I am very supportive friends. I'm very lucky. Um, and uh, oh, I was doing my jokes and something happened and a woman had been shouting out the whole time. And I just kind of ignored her or like would be like oh, blah, blah, blah or just like, okay, you know. And then <laughs> she came up and she literally gave me what looked like a she just handed me a wooden dildo. That's what it looked like. It looked like a wooden dildo. Now I know it's something like a cheese maker, something dowel thing. I couldn't tell you.
1: I love it, yeah. I mean, she
2: just handed it to me. And she was like, do something with that. And like, I literally (laughs) could not ignore the fact that she handed me a wooden dildo. I was like, well, I have no choice but to acknowledge what is happening. And then I was funny, I did well. Um, with it as well as one could but um, (laughs) I mean but I was literally that it shook me so like Mm -hmm. it it was just like a slap in the face it's like well now you have to be present and Mm -hmm. uh, that was I think the first time I ever really was like accepting to crowd work and understanding that the crowd is also part of the show So, yeah, it's weird. It's true.
0: That's going to be the foreword of your of your book. I want that on, that story. goes on the front. Yeah. <laughs> you open the cover and there's that story.
2: I mean, it was so weird. She was just like, here you go. And she thought she was just like, we're having a nice time. We're just having a conversation. You
0: just, you okay. just became a prop comic in front yeah. of everyone.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then she left. So I couldn't even give it back to her. She left halfway <laughs> through the show. And so I was like, what the fuck just happened? Uh,
0: Please please say it's still on your shelf somewhere.
2: I do have it. It's in a box. (laughs) I don't believe I threw it away. I don't know where it is. I've moved like four times since then, but I I know for a fact I did not throw it away. So, yeah, maybe I'll... maybe i'll see a new comic and bequeath it to them you know <laughs> just go there to a bad hostel show and be like here you're welcome
0: <laughs> pass the baton yeah
2: Yeah, and they'll be like this bitch just interrupted <laughs> my set <laughs> i could never
1: was even a real person she's like yeah it looked left but maybe it was just in your head you just i know my yeah. dildo <laughs> fairy godmother or something <laughs> <Yeah>. like that <laughs> oh my god well, we're, 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 weirdest things. thing that happened on is that the weirdest thing or we've had weirder
2: Oh yeah, I've had weird. I've had weird conversations with people. I had a drink thrown on me once. That was Uh, fun. Um, For a joke?
1: Because they were pissed about a joke? No,
2: they were uh, very, very drunk, and Uh, they were uh, shouting at the. uh, They were being racist and shouting at the comics, and I was hosting. Uh, And um, at one point, I just like it was like the third or fourth time they'd been talked to. And we didn't have enough security to kick them out because it was like a Tuesday, like Tuesday night, which is like, why would we need extra security on a Tuesday night? Um, But she was I know it was so weird from Long Island, which okay, you know. Um, And so I finally, I was like, and she was a rich woman. Um, She kept talking about how much she had a trust fund and blah 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 blah. Because I did crowd work rather, because she kept interrupting the show. And that's probably when it switched from being nice, Caitlin, to being bitch, Caitlin, this moment right here. (laughs) But uh, Mm -hmm. she, uh, I was like, hey, just because you got more money than us doesn't mean that you can treat us all like shit. And she was like, just do your jokes. And I was like, I'm trying. And she got up (laughs) and she threw her drink across two aisles of people right on me. And then the guy next to me or next to her, the patron threw his drink on her because he was mad that she threw her drink on me, and then they started fighting. And I was just on stage, just riffing, just started telling. Jokes <laughs> just, I leaned in and I saw what was happening, and I was and people like were getting up to run away, and I was like, "No, stay calm." Oh, I love the smell of Jack Daniels in the morning. I'm gonna keep this on. It's my new perfume. We're having a nice time. Blah. blah. I, blacked out. I have no idea what I said, but my friend was like, "You did great." <laughs> so That
0: is awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was bizarre. And then that woman got kicked out and then we found out later that her husband had died like 2 days before. Uh, and we were like, "Ah, mm. oh, that's why." Okay, but also yeah. don't come to a comedy show. Don't do that. You know, you yeah. think it's a good idea, but it's it's not the way you want to process your grief uh, by <laughs> Mm -mm. getting very very drunk and shouting at strangers who are just trying to make you happy um so yeah that's probably the the most bizarre thing that's happened to me on stage
0: Uh, i'd love to hear more just about the 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 journey so from from Mm -hmm. doing all the open mics and, and now like you're a seller comic you're 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 touring you're at caroline's like had what what's what were the breaks? What got you the, to, the, to level up, I guess, through your comedy career? What happened that, that'll, that opened those doors?
2: The, um, I think the biggest thing, and I recommend this for all comics, um, especially newer comics, are comedy festivals. Uh, they helped me out so much. I got a year two, I got a five-minute high-quality uh, clean set. I was clean. Um, you don't have to be clean. You just have to be funny. But mine happened to be clean and it helped me so much. I started getting into a bunch of festivals. I started traveling the country. I lost money. Don't get me wrong. You will be (laughs) poor when you do this because comedy festivals are not cheap, but they pay off in the long run because not only did I start doing these festivals and getting seen by industry, um, but I also uh, met other comics and then worked with the clubs that now book me. So the like the Laughing Skull Lounge, uh, the Limestone Comedy Festival, the Comedy Attic, they all I still work there. Um, and uh, and so I, I recommend that so much. And then I met like Ron on Hirschberg. I met Steve at a comedy festival, my boyfriend, Steve Rogers. Um, we were just friends during that time. Uh, but <laughs> we literally you just meet so many people and those people give you work and recommend you to other places. Um, and uh, Yeah. And then it's basically you're just trying to build your own network and festivals are just the easiest or at least the most um, approachable way of doing that. Um, Because you literally apply to the festival if you get in or you don't get in. But if you get in, you go, you have to literally stay with other people. You meet other comics. It's like it's like going to summer camp for a weekend. (laughs) Yeah. It's like comedy summer camp, Laughing Skull uh, Comedy Festival is great. I've done that one a bunch. Limestone is great. Um, you're literally forced to meet and mingle with all these people. Um, it's really fun. Uh, I'm you trying said to- literally,
1: yeah, literally forced. How does that?
2: Yeah. I mean, they do mixers like oh, they do mixers and they put you on a bunch of shows and it's different people every show. And uh, you're literally forced to go to the after parties or go to um, these shows and you're in the green room with strangers. And you meet them, you know, and if you want free food, you have to go into the green room or go to the after party and uh, everybody gets drunk and um, parties and does drugs, uh, which, you know, you don't have to do. Um, I didn't do the drug part, but I definitely did the drinking part. Um, but, yeah, it's so there's so much fun. Uh, but mostly you're just building those connections, uh, building those friendships that actually are genuine. And then they also help you down the road.
1: That's where, and this is really intriguing to Drew and I. I know him and I are both at that level where we're excited to get uh, accepted into our first festival. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we're yeah. submitting and uh, trying to get good tapes in our room and all that stuff. And so we'll get there eventually. And I know a lot of comics that listen are at that level. So this is really good advice.
2: Um, yeah. I mean, the best, the having a good tape will save you so much time and energy. Um, just a five to seven minute uh very compact, like all your best jokes, just tight, 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 no crowd work. Don't you go up there and fucking talk to the crowd. Um, and, uh, don't curse unnecessarily. And, uh, I mean, you can get into a lot of places. Um, yeah, I, uh, I can't recommend it enough. Um, it really, it, that one tape I got from this one festival, I got it at, uh, I don't even think they do it anymore, Trial by Laughter. It was a a, a show that they aired on the Comcast Network where you had to be clean. And so I did this set of five minutes in the first round where I had to be, I was clean. And uh, eventually that led to me getting Colbert. So, yeah. So what,
0: why the... How did, how did your progression go from, was that just set clean or were you pretty much a clean comic and then kind of loosened up as you, as it went, as you went?
2: Oh no, I am (laughs) filthy. I am, I've always been disgusting. Um, I mean, just, I, I gravitate towards everything sexually icky, Uh, (laughs) you know, um, I, not icky, but like I, I talk about cum all the time coming women need to come more that's what i'm saying um but <laughs> i uh thank you i will scream at you if you're not making a woman come um, i just edited a clip i'm probably gonna release it tomorrow but there's a clip where i'm like i'm really i'm really like are you gonna make her come you better go down on her she's wearing leather fucking pants okay like i'm just screaming at this guy he's like why am i here and i was like just, um but um,
0: aggressive crowd work yes
2: very <laughs> aggressive um but i i understand like dating steve i understand the merits of being clean and how important it is it gets you a lot more work uh so if you would get a 20 minutes clean you'll you you'll be fine you know what i mean <laughs> you can do a pretty much any room uh you can open for anybody and uh you can have five different sets for potential late nights but mm. i at the time only had about 10 minutes clean. Um, mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, I look back at it and I'm like, well, that joke sucks. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but it was pretty much, I had uh, what I ended up doing on Colbert uh, around that time. That's when I wrote that. Um, but yeah, I did not start clean and I just literally wrote what I knew and then I made them clean in order to do that festival.
0: I think there's something and I think we're going to see a clip of it in a little bit and talk about it. But there's something about that performance that it's so it's got this. I don't know how to what the right words are, but maybe it's got this dirty energy. It's got this really (laughs) you don't know what's going to happen next Mm -hmm. kind of energy on stage, Uh, but it's a totally clean set. And it's really interesting as I'm watching. I was like, is she is this is she going to turn? Is this like you, you? It's a little edgy for late night. Sort of, not yeah. really. Yeah,
2: it I is. It's, I talk about porn. Jesus Christ. Yeah,
0: I think I it's mean. part of your delivery too. You have such a you have such a fun, wild energy on stage that it feels like anything could happen, and and you will you will follow any fun trail. Um, yeah, I've rarely seen people address the audience on a late <laughs> night set, and that was super fun to see. Like she's really she's really in the room. She's really present, even on on the at a of tel- television spot you just don't see that it was so fun
2: yeah that's another one where i kind of blacked out um <laughs> doing the set i just kind of just you go into auto uh you know auto mode because i that was so fun. i definitely but i was able to be present in that one moment when that guy i meowed <laughs> at a man oh my god um, <laughs> this is why i can't watch it uh you guys have been watching that but uh yeah, I definitely grabbed like at this guy and he was just like, "What?" <laughs> like, he was so <laughs> upset. Um but he was a good sport about it, but uh yeah, I yeah, I mean, the I was very lucky in that the booker, Jessica, uh Jessica Pilot, she was very encouraging. She saw me be clean and then she also saw me be dirty and she still she picked to work with me after she saw the dirty set. Um, Mm. and she said, she just liked my energy and how, and then I asked her, like, do you want me to hold a mic? And she was like, no love. And then they marked off on the stage where I could go. So Mm. they knew that I was going to walk around and move and get close. And they're like, you can't cross this line, but you can go here. So they wanted me to be myself, which was very nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, they were very, and they could have taken out the meow and the growl, but they didn't, they kept it in. And they also didn't cut any of my jokes, which is really nice. So my set ended up being like seven minutes um, oh, wow. when the set is usually just five. Uh, yeah. So I feel very lucky that Jessica Pilot was so she was very, very supportive and very helpful uh, for me. And That's uh, awesome. encouraging. Yes, I got very lucky. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that I'm very much a proponent of muscle memory when it's something that terrifies you uh so late night I got it a little early I think I got it I think four and a half years in four to four and a half years yeah that's pretty early for a comic usually it's Mm -hmm. like after eight like so I should just be maybe getting one now you know Mm -hmm. but um they uh they took a gamble with that only five minutes clean I had (laughs) and uh but I ran I think the set 30 times the week of um, wow! so that when I got there, cause I knew I was going to be nervous. I knew I was going to mm. shake and forget my line. Um,
0: and yet, the muscle memory probably helped you keep it clean because you, you were 30 times. Yeah. You're just coming out yeah. there. You're just, it's built into your DNA at that point.
2: Yes. Yeah. That was the, that's the goal. I don't know if you guys are former athletes. Um, but that is. OK, <laughs> a little bit. Not so. Uh,
0: so, so, I mean, I wouldn't say I, was, I played sports. So I wouldn't call myself an athlete. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I actively play lacrosse. OK, yes. yeah. 40 years old. Yeah, almost 40.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So you get it. It's like the thing um, you learn the skill and you don't have to think about it. You know what I mean? Like, you know how to pick up the stick, you can twirl it, you can move the, you know, you know exactly what to do with your hands without thinking about it. And so that, for a set that terrifies you, you need to be like, I could say this in two minutes as fast as I can. I could say it backwards. I know everything about this set so that when I get on stage, I just have to land the first line and my body will take over. And yeah. uh, that's that's the way I approach it. I did that with my seller audition too, um, because I'm prone to getting panic attacks on stage, so. I was like, yeah. "Not today, Satan!" And <laughs> yeah,
1: what a what a magical moment that uh, you know this thing. I, I think I mentioned in the email that Sam caught on um, um, full capacity, where you're just oh. about to go and do your first set. That was so cool.
2: That was
1: how to go? By the crazy. way,
2: crazy. It went well. Oh. I did. I had a good set. I had a really yeah. good set. It was
1: great. Um, yeah,
2: thank you. Yeah. Um, it was. Ge- I was genuinely so intimidated. Um, the first time, because I don't know if you know about the seller audition, you usually do two auditions. Like you do one at the uh, in front of Liz, who's the manager at like the new joke night, like their open mic night for the comedians who are past. And so I did that during the pandemic. They had it in the olive tree in like this glass case. And I oh. had a, and I had a panic attack inside the glass case. And
1: um, you can see yourself. I hated those. Oh. You can see your own reflection. It's the worst.
2: And if no one laughed, you're just like, who are these jokes for? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my
1: God. you look yourself in the face when you're was
2: Awful. It was so yeah. bad. Um, but I, I had a panic attack. I get lockjaw. I shake. I sweat. Wow. Um, I get dry mouth. <laughs> the lockjaw is the worst because you're just like, and then I. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just powered through and I told my jokes. And she uh, gave me the go-ahead to audition for Esty or send a tape to Esty. Um, uh, and then she decides if she wants to audition you. And so that's what happened. And she did. I had five days to prepare, which is crazy. Um, but, uh, what was I talking about? Fuck. Uh,
1: just how it went. How the- oh, oh, just okay.
2: how it went. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I feel like I went on a tangent and now <laughs> I'm totally fucking everything up. Um, yeah. And so I, I did that. Oh, and then I had five days to prepare. And so I just ran that set a million times because I was so scared that I was going to have another panic attack in front of Esty. And uh, I ran it a bunch, went off fine, um, had a great set, got past. And then she told me to put in my availability right away. And so I got sets with it the week. So, wow. yeah. Wow. So I found out Congratulations on
0: Congratulations on that. That's It's just yeah. so awesome. Oh, it's thank a, you. It's such a big deal. Like every comic knows that to get past at the cellar is just like something every comic and especially new, obviously in New York is just looking for It's It's just such a validation. It's saying, Hey, mm-hmm. you're part of the squad. You're a, you're a top performer. You're someone we want to, to like, it's just such a great thing to be a part of. And so awesome. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Thank
2: you. I mean, yeah, it's, I used to go to the cellar before <laughs> I did comedy and I would sit in the back and watch Dave Attell on his late shows And I would just be like, maybe one day I'll do an open like, you know, and then I (laughs) perform there regularly. It's like crazy to me. But um, they, uh, oh, fuck, I keep losing my space. Anyway, uh, what was I, oh, the Samarill thing. We're back. Okay. Um, (laughs) And we're back. And we're back. So I didn't have a long time, and it was right after the pandemic. So literally all the clubs opened April 1st and Mm -hmm. I auditioned April 2nd. So luckily I was breaking the rules and performing in <laughs> parks and on rooftops and shit. Uh, otherwise I would not be prepared for that. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then five days later I performed my first set and I was so intimidated by the cellar that I would never really hung out there. So I physically did not know where to go. I didn't know how to get into the building. I'd never been to the VU before, and I—I I was just like, I don't know where to be. I don't know who to ask. Are they going to know who I am? They're not going to let me moment. in. i yeah. you know, and I was just like, literally standing outside, spiraling. When Sam came up and talked the to me, Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, that's, that's the moment cut on camera. Yes,
2: yeah. and so I'm literally like, how do, you, literally, how do you get into the building? I <laughs> don't know. Such a good I'm moment. I'm freaking out, and I, yeah. and I honestly, I wasn't even thinking about my set like I was just like I don't I'm just like I'm afraid to walk past these people they have you know they look so intimidating and then you meet them and they're the nicest people on the planet and uh they already knew who I was hey Caitlin how's it going it's like I swear to god they get a list of past comics and they have a picture so they know to be like oh this person gets in It's just a well-oiled machine it's so it's how every comedy club should be run um but it's also uh, a
0: yeah. uh, quick side note we can say congratulations to if you didn't see it John marco Ceresi, now a seller comic oh yeah uh, he got past a uh, veteran yeah. of the the breaking down bits mine
2: oh yeah he's um he's great he messaged me he's like I'm auditioning in two weeks what do I do and so I just <laughs> gave him a bunch of uh, uh, advice I think he uh, had a great set if I under- if I were I wasn't there I was on the road but I heard he had a great set so sure he did. Go get them, tiger.
1: Is that, so you, you, when you approach those, I mean, you've been doing it for a few months now because I was back in April, right? Um, mm-hmm. there, there's a new expectation. Do you, do you feel that? Do you feel that you have to show up with, with new material, new A material faster and more, you know, is, is that a pressure that you feel?
2: No. Uh, no. Esty's only concern is that you kill. Yeah. So she does not care if you do the same material over and over again. We care, like I care. So I, at the beginning, I picked a set of 20 minutes that I could kind of cherry pick from and go in between for every 10 to 15 minute set. Um, And now it's gone to 25 minutes and then soon it'll be 30 minutes, you know. So I'm just trying to add jokes little by little to just spice it up and make it a little different. Like the first half I'll always do, it's the same like six to seven minute set that I know kills. And then the second half I'll kind of, uh, do a little like something newer, never new. Oh my God, uh, that terrifies me. Um, <laughs> but uh, something that I'm working on or trying a new ending or something, trying to fix, and then I always end the same way, uh, which is very strong uh, with your closer. Um, but uh, yeah, the that the, the expectation is only like your job is only to kill. That's it. Um, and
0: that that's a good transition to writing. We always want to know, answer the question however you want, but mm-hmm. but how does Caitlin Palufo write comedy?
2: Oh, it's so annoying. I write on stage. It's the worst. Um, oh. I don't recommend it at all. It's awful. I try and be like Steve Rogers and sit down with my little notebook and be like, well, this is what I think is crazy about lamps, you know? (laughs) Uh, I'm so jealous. I'm so, so jealous. But I'll like literally think of an idea, write it down in my notebook, maybe write a page on it if, if I can even muster that. And then I go to either an open mic or a bar show that I'm booked on and I will try and talk it out. And uh, mm. usually the um, the uh, adrenaline of trying to find trying to find the laugh makes me think quickly. And mm. um, but now I'm getting less nervous on stage, so that's not working. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're too comfortable on stage yeah, to write on stage.
2: <laughs> exactly. So now I'm like, yeah, that didn't work. And now I'm like, fuck. Now I gotta, <laughs> goddammit. it. Um, so I'm trying the thing where I think of a topic and I write a page on it, and I try it that way, and then. Steve and I sometimes will talk it out or I'll talk it out with someone else. I'll be like, what do you think of this tag? Or what's that? You know, and, um, but usually it's on stage riffing. And then mm. uh, just in my little uh, phone notes, writing down an idea. Uh, but it mm. takes me a long time to get new bits. It takes me like a month to get a new, like two, three minutes, just because it is a slower process for me. Whereas Steve did- like did an album and he already has another hour. It's like, whoa. Oh. God damn
0: it. That guy's full of, he's full of material he's, he's cranking it out. I
2: mean, it is obnoxious. <laughs> I love that man so much, but he makes me so jealous with all of his writing. Um,
0: did you, did you always write on stage like that? Or did, when you started, were you a pen to paper kind of, kind of gal and then as you kind of got the tools, you transitioned into on stage writing?
2: I tried so hard to be a pen to paper, you know, like a monologue writing joke writing because that's what I thought you were supposed to be um even though the first time I did comedy I was riffing because I didn't have any jokes so I just talked about stuff I thought might be funny and and it did well like I I was like oh I built a cadence and I knew what a natural punchline was but um I tried so hard to just be the pen to paper type of person but uh yeah, this one I kind of just like accepted it and was like, well, you're just going to have to do a million spots a week. That's just going to be your life. Uh mm. so yeah. So
0: all the stage time kind of facilitates the on-stage writing because you can go up and cuz I'm I'm assuming cuz I am not necessarily on, like I'll grab a tag mm-hmm. or like an audience interaction will inspire something, but I am not an on-stage writer. Mm-hmm. But does that mean that a lot of your open mic sets sometimes nothing really happens. You kind of just talk around something. Does that happen mm-hmm. a lot? And then you finally have the ones that are successful and, and, and really craft something?
2: Yes, correct. I bomb
0: a
1: lot. Yeah. You're
0: taking a risk. That's a huge risk yeah. to come up on stage without a joke and, and just hope that you're going mm-hmm. to kind of put that puzzle together live in front of people. And it's just, there's yeah. no way it's going to happen every single time.
2: Well, my theory with open mics is you got to tell one quick joke at the beginning so that they know that you're funny, uh, you know, and then you do the bad stuff after and then you just get off when you see the light. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, never worry about ending strong at a mic who gives a shit. But you always want to start strong, uh, okay. just but less than 30 seconds, just a 30 mm-hmm. second quick. Like I did this one joke. Steve and I went to an open mic um you guys will get a kick out of this because he's steve uh it's also (laughs) disgusting so get ready um but like i did an open mic with steve and i went up there and he went on right before me and i was like yeah um yeah that's my boyfriend um He claims to be a a picky eater, but he eats ass. So (laughs) he claims to have never had soup, but I've had soup, motherfucker. So (laughs) (laughs) it's, uh, yeah, just something like that, you know, Um, just a quick little like, okay, we're laughing. She's funny. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I proceeded to tell her three minute story that went nowhere. So at, you know. at
1: first I was like, uh, okay, so she's going to end on a low. She's okay with ending on a note in the low note. And she goes, who, who cares? And I was like, oh, that's not that you're burying the comic after you, but it's the host's goddamn job to pick that mic back up. So you're right. Yeah. Who cares? The, who cares? The the it's also an job. open
2: mic. It's supposed yeah. to be bad. <laughs> right. yeah, exactly.
0: Well, And a lot of, a lot of you, like I've heard, you know, obviously we're not in New York so a lot of i think our stage time in houston and maybe other cities are are the same most of our mics you know we have a lot of five-minute mics we have a couple of seven-minute mics. an actual audience goodness
2: Goodness.
0: what a luxury Uh, and it seems like in new york a lot of times it's three minutes so you can't
2: Mm
0: -hmm. you 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 only have so much prop real estate to work with so if you're if you're trying to tell a closer every time you're just wasting Mm -hmm. you know precious time that you could be workshopping a new joke
2: exactly Yeah, you don't have in New York. You don't have the luxury of time or an audience. You literally have your peers, and they will let you know if something's bad. Uh, You'll just see someone like look away and just oh god, you know. There's (laughs) nothing worse than the.
0: (laughs) But do you feel like they let you know when something's good? Because I know, like you know, when comics when you're performing to just comics, like in in Houston, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's you get no response. These guys are. And unless you're telling something that's like kind of directed towards yeah, the, the back, back of the room, room yeah. you don't get a lot of feedback. In, at, at New York, do you feel like the, the comics maybe give a little more feedback or no?
2: I think they do just because of the sheer amount of comics. Like if you go mm-hmm. to Pine Box, there's 40 to 50 comics doing two minutes each. Um, And so it's just the amount of people who are there and it's a mix between new comics who don't know any better and old grizzled, like, why the fuck am I here? Um, (laughs) So I think in that way you do, you also learn which mics to go to uh, Mm. where people aren't going to be on their phones and just totally Mm -hmm. checked out. Um, And then it also, you go to the mics where your friends are and your friends are going to want to watch you, you know, and they'll, they'll let you know because they don't want to, They want to be friends with someone who's booked so it's like it's yeah um they're not like you were great and then just be like she sucks like it's it's very honest in new york i feel uh but i've also i haven't been that into the open mic scene for a few years now um so i don't know if it's changed at all i know (laughs) thank you (laughs)
0: um
2: i'm booked so uh, No, uh, maybe that's why I haven't written anything in a goddamn year. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't, Steve tells me it's pretty much the same. Um, he doesn't do a lot as well, but he, uh, the ones he does go to, it's like he goes with his group of friends and they all talk about, but they give tags and stuff. So it's all right. very helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a good point. I think, you know, a lot of times I know when I was um, just starting comedy, it, it's, I came from playing music and being in a band Mm and it's being a, it's a team sport. Mm
1: -hmm. And then you go
0: to comedy and you think, Oh, it's a lone wolf thing. It's just me. But then you start to, as you get into the scene, you realize like there's a lot of collaboration going on behind the Mm -hmm. scenes. And it's, it's absolutely necessary. You need people that you write with and work with and get feedback from. It's absolutely not a solo sport
2: in that sense. Mm 100% 100%. Yeah. you no one's an island, as they say in about <laughs> a boy with Hugh Grant. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I think- how'd you like that reference. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just getting turned. Get- <laughs> I think knew, there is a period for new new comics. There is a period where you are lone wolf though. You got the 4 yeah. months or whatever it is before you can make a friend a true friend. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. just got to you got to you got to go through that period of time yeah and, and each but if you are that bit. yes if yeah. you are that
2: new comic then just know that there are plenty of other new comics so just go sit next to someone who's all by themselves and be like hi yeah. <laughs> want to be that's met, together
0: <laughs> that's how i met brian we, brian and i met at an open mic oh
2: yeah. it's a love um, story
1: a kiss yeah. from the first mic yeah, yeah. yeah. a bromance review. was formed yeah. oh and, that's what that and,
2: thing is on your lip um yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: He hates when I call him my hetero life mate. That's Stop
1: a, doing that. Yeah.
0: Um, I um, think
2: it's sweet. Look Jay, at that.
0: And Bob, Jay and Silent Bob reference. If we're going yeah. to throw up references.
2: You're both wearing backwards hats. This is Yeah, good. we can
1: coordinate that. I'm going to turn mine around. This is the right, this is the right hat. Hey, if you're you're doing the, the, the right show right in January. Head. We're excited to have you. Um, oh,
2: I'm excited. It's the weekend after my birthday. I'm going to be 35 and sad. So <laughs> no. let's do it. <laughs>
1: 30s are the best. So, yeah. um, so we talked about set list we kind of talked about mm-hmm. set list design. Um, anything one thing we asked comics is what do you do p- p- right before you go on stage? You have you talked about you get you can have these panic attacks. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you do to make sure to reduce What's your pre show
0: ritual?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah your,
1: your pre show ritual. Do you have anything you do to kind of yeah, it's freak you know? out
2: and cry? Uh, no, it's um, my therapist who, uh, my old therapist, she helped me. Um, she gave me, she was like, Well, if the thing is that you shake. You shake it out first. So I will literally be in the hallway, shake, shake, shaking. I have a water bottle in my hand to make sure I don't get dry mouth. And then it's as soon as the first joke hits, uh, the panic is gone. gone. And uh, it's literally the five minutes before my set. uh, Or when the person before me gets the light. That's when I'm like, fuck, you know, (laughs) what's going to happen? You know, it's like surrendering control. And I'm not a person who likes to do that. But you have Mm. to do it in order for the show to be good so it's like this yeah. the shake
1: it out like this, shake this it mil- out. our millions of listeners are all going to shake it once after hearing this it's going to change the rotation of the earth because of this advice this is yeah. yeah i mean
2: mentally you you're telling your brain you're not going to shake i'm going to shake you yeah. Know, yeah i choose taking, to shake that's <laughs> right
1: you're taking ownership of your that's actually really yeah really valid i like that a lot i'm doing yeah. it tonight i'm doing do it, it. Yeah. shake yeah. it
2: out and then breathing exercises the in for four hold for four out for four uh, that helps a lot but i the shaking seems to be the thing that works best for me um, I and
0: mean, there's got to be a lot of pressure cuz you're working with you're probably at this point working with some people that you probably really looked up to and mm-hmm. have maybe been like staples and i mean you're opening up for Colin Quinn and uh, and these guys who are just like man everyone knows this is the SNL guy who's who's just mm-hmm. career is kind of legendary and you're just you're on stage with them. There you are. I, I, oh, know, I would feel like a lot of pressure to be like, I, I am I, am I supposed to be here?
2: <laughs> oh, all the time. Um, I remember the first week I was at the cellar. I, I went on stage, uh, I had a good set came off stage and there was Dave Attell sitting on the stairway and he's my idol. He's been my favorite yeah. comics since like I think middle school. Um, and I saw him and he was like, how were they? And I was like, they were really fun. I think you're going to have a good time. And he looked at me and he goes, no, I won't. And then he just got <laughs> into the room <laughs> and it was just like, it made me laugh so hard. He's like, no, I won't.
0: <laughs> That's the quintessential Dave Attell response mm-hmm. probably.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's so, he's so funny, but he's the one I still get nervous around, even though he's been nothing but nice and, uh, is very approachable and very kind, but I don't think he realizes how much he means to so many comics or maybe he does realize it. And that's why he's just like, don't even, I don't even yeah. want to know. Don't tell me we're just going to talk about jokes. Here's my, where, you know, where can I find a new punchline? What's a new tag? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had to follow Ronnie Chang and that was oh, wow. tough. That was, I mean, not tough, but it was like, oh gosh. They like threw bras at the stage. Last night I had to follow um, Andrew Schultz dropped in. And um, he was just working on new material and he destroyed. uh, And then the hardest follow I feel is Godfrey just because he's um, the most talented human being on the planet. Maybe (laughs) just, he was doing character voices. He was beatboxing. He rapped, he did accents. Like it was, it's just incredible and then it was like well now i'm going to do my little dick jokes how you doing uh, <laughs> so but it's fun i think that's what makes you stronger is learning how to follow these people you know learning how to change your energy a little bit or get louder or you know what jokes to start with to keep their attention and um oh.
1: I love yeah. that. That was a, a trick. So, I, I recently did my first headlining set and I mm-hmm. put up one of the funniest guys in the scene as my opener, or, you know, the guy right before me mm-hmm. uh, to make sure I would have to match that energy and step up my game. I just thought mm-hmm. that would make me stronger. I think it worked. I don't know.
2: Yeah, it is. It's important. Um, a lot of people go on the road and they want kind of like, they always want good comics, but they want someone who's low energy so that they can raise the energy easily. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm which I get. I understand that mentality. So book me. Um, I'm right here. I'm <laughs> <laughs> but it's um it's it's interesting. So when someone like has the high energy, you really got to come and just really I think the high energy people really make the show better. They like bring it up a notch, you know. Um yeah. but it's mm-hmm. It's tricky, you know. Following you're the God you're phrase, one of those it's not people. Not easy.
0: You're definitely. You you, you you bring a, a very great energy to the stage. Uh, even if we couldn't, even if you were just speaking nonsense, I think you would still be funny because the energy and the uh, there's just something your performance side of your of your game is strong.
2: Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, some uh, maybe it's, it's, you know how you get in your head. You're just like, oh, I'm all dance and no. Also, uh, no. I don't know. Uh, I no, tried an analogy; a, it didn't work.
0: <laughs> there's there's plenty of substance in the jokes, but um, mm-hmm. you have both sides of the coin. Which is, I think that make that's those are the people that pop off when they're great writers, but they also know how to perform because you know there's some guys that are great writers and they get up and they just like stand still and do their jokes, mm-hmm. and that's great, and they're genius writers. But there's something that the audience really loves about someone who can really bring it to life.
2: Mm-hmm
1: yeah let's, let's uh let's catch a clip of it um you were you were just talking about them not cutting out your jokes i'm probably going to cut it in half so that i apologize. please <laughs> just please an god
2: but, uh, and also Jesus. even
1: colbert's in the beginning i couldn't cut him out so he's eating up our time and the-
2: ah in
1: the- uh, that uh, okay right, so <laughs> uh, about three minutes in okay
2: okay i'm gonna disappear thank you some jokes from butch laura croft huh (laughs) (sighs) i don't have a laura croft body no i have an in betweener body i'm not fat but i'm also not thin very muscular played a ton of sports so i call this softball skinny (laughs) thank you thank you i had to learn to like this body though because i was this size in sixth grade. (laughs) That's a gigantic child. (laughs) So my dad, he was smart about it, shoved me in every sport there was to play, and I was pretty good. So I kept getting that compliment. I'm sure some of the guys in here have heard it. Uh, Hey, Caitlin, you're a real beast out there. (laughs) Yeah, you're such a beast. Oh, that's not a compliment. (laughs) I'm 12. (laughs) You just told me I'm the worst part of my favorite movie. (laughs) That's horrible. No 12-year-old girl wants to be the beast. (laughs) No, we want to be Belle. We want to be the beautiful princess, not the monster who is ugly as a punishment. (laughs) I mean, what was my crime? What did I do wrong? Dominate third base? Because you know I did. (laughs) Thank you. At this point, I would like to let everybody know that I am not gay. (laughs) (laughs) I get it, I'm wearing a lot of denim. (laughs) Did you know that women can just be comfortable?
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Doesn't mean we're gay. (laughs) And I don't care if you do think I'm gay, it doesn't offend me, I just bring it up so all the single fellas know. Yeah, I'm going to try and fast-pitch into your heart. (laughs) It's just tough dating because I'm a strong gal, I'm a bigger gal, and I'm attracted to pretty men. Oh, no! (laughs) Because I like them really pretty. Yeah, I want a guy so pretty I'm getting fist bumps from lesbians. (laughs) That's a pretty guy. (laughs) Yeah, I want them to look at him and be like, damn, girl. He looks soft. (laughs) I like him soft. But the soft ones, they don't like girls like me. No, they want a girl with a thigh gap. I have never in my life had a thigh gap. (laughs) I have, however, created holes in my jeans from my thighs. Oh, yes. people call it chub rub i call it power friction okay <laughs> oh yeah don't you look away you look at this all right you look right here buddy huh you drink this in okay when you see a woman with holes here she can deadlift your vespa okay
1: <laughs> i had it on that moment <laughs> <laughs> God.
2: watching it without the sound is insane <laughs> It's literally just me pointing at my crotch for 15 seconds. <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: So performance. It's, it's just, it's inspiring to me as somebody who tries to be more physical on stage that just gives jokes the extra. Um, it, it's just, you're, you're, you're one of the best I've seen doing it in, in a while. We watch a lot of comedy.
2: Oh, thank you. You're very nice. Um, mm-hmm. I'm basically Lady Tommy Boy, I feel like, whenever I watch that. I'm,
1: I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Tommy Boy. Oh, Tommy. it's
2: my favorite movie. Uh-huh. Favorite comic, comedic out. movie of all time.
1: China I know.
2: They put it for free on Netflix. I already own it. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> fuck you.
0: <laughs> One thing that always catches me, it's probably a stupid thing to always think about, but performing without a microphone, I I feel like it's Talladega Nights and all over again. And yeah. was, does that, was that strange? You seemed you seemed super comfortable doing it. Did it feel comfortable?
2: Um, yeah, it was, but I had to work at it. Um, Joe List, uh, you probably know of him. Great comic. Sure. Um, also my neighbor, very fun. Um, oh, nice. yeah, we live in the same building. He got us our apartment. Sweet man. Um, nice. but, uh, he, uh, told me and Steven when we were preparing for Colbert, he was like, if you use a microphone, it's going to cover half of your face. And this is a time when America can see your face. So just don't don't use a microphone. Um, mm. and, uh, and he never uses a microphone on any of his. Uh, and he was like, you just kind of... So we would go to open mics, put the mic aside and shout. Or mm. just leave it in the stand and move your hands. Because the first time you do it, you're like, where... <laughs> you know but um so by the time i was doing it it was fine so whenever it was like an intimate audience i would be like hey is it okay if i don't use the mic great thanks and then i would jump into it
0: um ah, yeah that's kind, of, that, that's kind of ballsy right there even just to be like mike here let's go
2: oh um, sometimes yeah. i do these shows and i'm like i'm a loud bitch this is only for you you know like this, <laughs> you feel like i should have a microphone but i don't need one you know
1: so, um, and- and then we talk. I, mean, I was talking to some newer comics and and really you know, people just getting started. And this set, you know, you really lean into. You look like, and that's always that's such a good prompt um, mm-hmm. for for. And you were as you admitted, you're fairly new, four years in before you got your late night set. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is and it, like it's your introduction to the world in some way. So you want to have this intro type thing. Um, but yeah, leaning into that heavily on this material is uh, is a good strategy.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh... I don't know. It's the, yeah, it's the quickest way just for them to be like, yeah, you do look like that, you know? And it's just like, if you do it in a way that is self-deprecating, but not mean it's uh, you know, they're like, she's going to, yeah. we're fun. I also feel like, you know, like it's, it's fun to be silly about not take yeah, yourself you so too mean, seriously.
1: If you go too mean, they are yeah. like, Oh, I feel bad for it. But if, yeah. If it's as long as yeah. it's done in a silly way. Yeah. In a fun way.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's- I go ahead.
1: Oh,
0: sorry. As far as like the majority of your material goes, um, you know, did, when you I guess when you really started to, to get out there, um, a lot of biographical material. Did you did, is it a lot about yourself? And is that I feel like my guess is that that's a, maybe a good strategy for a person like a, you want maybe your first special or your, your first thing you kind of put out there is about you so people can get to know you. Is that is that track or any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. I mean, again, Jolas said, like, you can't steal someone's material if you're writing about yourself. Um, so like, and not steal, but like you can't really have overlapping ideas if you're talking about yourself, you know, you, there's no worry about, uh, what is that term? Joke, theft or, Joke or theft or web?
0: parallel, parallel thought. Parallel
2: thought. Yeah. yeah. So I do have it a little bit with my one friend, Amy Miller, because, uh, we both talk about being strong women with small boyfriends who have big dicks. And so <laughs> there's like, I know, <laughs> Steve. you'll hear all about it in January. Um, yes. <laughs> Steve's about 30. I got about 15 minutes on Steve, but um, <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, so sometimes there's that parallel thing, but we have different jokes, so it's fine. Um, but it is something that we uh, I have to be aware of. I either don't watch her or I uh, I usually just don't watch her, but she is my friend, so I enjoy watching her. There's one joke that's kind of parallel. It is parallel thought for sure, um, but it's uh, it's about how we date small men because they can't kill us. And <laughs> um, but her joke is different from my joke, uh, so it's fine. But it's still uh, uh, in terms of that. Um, yeah, I definitely write bio- biographical because you what what do you you have to write about what you know and so Mm. what i know is everything to do with myself it sounds uh insanely narcissistic but it's (laughs) i mean it's the only thing that i've done i would say everything that i say on stage has come from you know an action or a thought that i have had about my life in my past so yeah sure
0: I like that sort of stuff. I, I, I think it's super interesting. Like when comics get up and don't do stuff about themselves so much, you know, like maybe like, I don't know, a comic kind of like Anthony Jeselnik who just comes up and kind of has these great misdirect jokes, not a lot of personal material in there. Mm-hmm. Love the jokes, but I'm drawn to people who are a little vulnerable. Maybe I think mm-hmm. I, I lean, I definitely lean into those comics a little more personally.
2: Yeah. Same. I, uh, I definitely lean into the personal, um, because it is, it's vulnerable and it's, um, uh, you feel kind of, uh, like you made a friend at the end of their set, you know, like I know this person, I know who they are. And, and, uh, you, I think you want to see more, you know, Mm -hmm. that's the stuff you're going to remember. You're not going to remember what one random person thought about climate change, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also, do you use, I feel like doing, watching that set, um, Eye contact. Did you, I feel yeah. like when I was doing comedy a lot uh, earlier, I was I was always looking at my feet. I was never and mm-hmm. and now that I'm being intentional to watch the crowd, it does kind of open up some opportunities. And you definitely found some opportunities even in that set.
2: Yeah, I that's one thing that's never being on stage. Yes, I get nervous beforehand, but being on stage, I've never really felt uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. even growing up and stuff, I was always like center of attention, trying to be, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I've never had fear of public speaking. Uh, once I start doing it, I'm just like, well, we're here, you know, and I yeah. contact something that I use to my advantage. Like now if a guy's uncomfortable, I will crouch down and say <laughs> directly into his eyes, my next joke and be like, are you going <laughs> to laugh now? You have to look at me, you know, like it's, it's, a, aggressive uh yeah it's, it's also aggressive. super
0: present you're, you're, yeah. so, yes. you're it's the most present you can be in someone's face telling yeah. a to them. Yeah,
2: literally just like mm, hi yeah god that's my favorite thing to do when it's like a tough guy and he's just looking past you know he's not even looking at me i just like to go excuse me hi hi i'm up here how's it going and he's just like oh <laughs>
1: So, so let's go ahead and run it. Uh, I'm going to do our last segment. This is going to be a little weird, so stick with it. It's called Last Laugh. Here it comes. All right, breaking down bits. Here lies a funny comedian. Uh, sorry, Caitlin. Uh, so, <laughs> what we need from you is the joke that'll be written on your tombstone, the joke to be remembered by can be yours, can be somebody else's. What is your last yeah.
2: laugh? Um. Yeah, it could be one of, my. I guess it would be one of my own. It'd be weird if it was someone else's. Uh, (laughs) um, I I love this one joke. I do every set. I love it. Um, I'll just tell the whole thing, I guess. Uh, It's, uh, I love pretty boys. Uh, Pretty boys are great because they got those high cheekbones. Easier to sit on. Um, (laughs) You got to sit on faces. Ladies fight the patriarchy. Sit on a man's face. Did you know when you sit on a man's face, they have to shut up? It's wonderful. What was that about the wage gap? Boop, have a seat. Yeah, do it for Ruth. God bless her. Uh, RGB sat so we could also sit. So, yeah, it's very fun. Uh, Are
0: you running for office? I know,
2: I know. It's uh, it's my only political joke, even though uh, I do take down Woody Allen. No, I don't. Um, But... It is. uh, It's one of my favorite jokes uh, and it is quick and it uh, you find out real fast. If uh, people are going to like the rest of my set, uh, if they're on board with the face sitting joke, then we're going to have a good time. Uh,
0: that's the temperature, if, the temperature taker.
2: <laughs> yes. That's my dip the toe. I do that about three minutes in uh, three or four minutes into my set. I go, hello. And then if they're <laughs> like, okay. And then we're like, we're going to have a nice time. Here we go.
0: <laughs> nice. Do you, sorry, I'm going to ask one last question. that we're trying to sure. get out here. What, one thing that me and Brian have been talking about is like sometimes, you know, if the crowd's not with you, Hmm quick techniques on what you do when the crowd, you you dip the toe, they're not liking it. How do you edit? What do you do differently?
2: Oh, nothing. Uh, Nothing. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I just did a gig where this happened. It was very rich old people that I was performing for and I bombed my dick off. I just, (laughs) and it, I hadn't had a good bomb in a long time. And I was like, Oh, this, here we are, you know, um, feels right. Uh, but at one point, like I used to like try crowd work, you know, Oh, you don't like these jokes. Let's talk a little bit, see if Mm -hmm. I can get you to loosen up. Um, and if they're not into that, then I, uh, despite my, uh, me knowing better, I'll dig in and I'll just be like, Oh, you didn't like my dirty jokes. Well, I'm going to double down and we're going to talk about (laughs) fisting now. So this is what you get. Um, I wish I had the capacity to just be like, okay, um, I'll do my Colbert set. I'll keep it clean, you know, or I'll uh, try and do more act outs. But I'm like, if you're not laughing at like three of my favorite jokes, then I don't want, I don't want you to like me. So, uh, Mm. It gets Uh like a little bitter,
0: (laughs) Yeah.
2: but yeah, I wish I had that. Cause some people can like Steve can switch speeds, you know, he'll uh, Mm -hmm. do crowd work, be Mm -hmm. present, like, and then do different jokes about different things and try and find something that works. And now I'm just like, well, here we are. When you have
0: eight hours of material in your back pocket, I guess you can, <laughs> yeah, <that>.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just pick a different hour, Steve. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but, yeah, I, uh, I have no advice to give on that. I am um, stick
0: to your guns, just, just yeah, be you your all the way, yeah.
2: Because I did leave, and like maybe a handful of people out of that 60 person room were like, I thought you were so funny, and it's just like, well. You didn't laugh, uh, but thank you. (laughs) I think I said at one point one person laughed at one joke, and I was like, "Follow me on Instagram." (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy, it was so bad. But what are you going to do? They happen. They happen. You bomb. You're not for everybody, and uh, that's fine. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What can you do? Well, tell everyone yeah. how they can find you uh, on the interwebs, uh, whatever your social media website, whatever you want sure. to share. let people know how they can follow you on Instagram and other things.
2: Yeah, Instagram, I'm at Caitlin Palufo. Um, it's right on the screen here at C A I T L I N P-E-L-U-F-F-O. Um, and then my website is literally Palufo.com. I have a bunch of tour dates. Up there, I'm gonna be in Portland, Oregon. Um, going up to the National Comedy Center to help Steve tape his special. Yeah, uh, I know I'm gonna have to be clean for 10 minutes, motherfucker. (laughs) Um, and then, uh, I uh, but yeah, I'm and then I'm coming out to you guys. Um, yeah, the riot, so that'll be fun. Yeah, I'm going to uh, Louisville Hall. I'm going everywhere. Jesus Christ. I really got to update my website. Uh, But I also have a podcast called Good Time Gal, uh, which is about drunk stories. Um, I interview comics and we talk about the best times that they were ever wasted. And it's very silly and very fun. Um, So, yeah, uh, that's that's me in a nutshell. Woohoo.
1: Ooh, that's a lot of fun. Well, everybody yeah. check yeah. out Caitlin online uh, or at the, or the com- world famous comedy seller in New York.
2: World um, famous comedy. I think yeah. it's hilarious that it's called the world famous comedy cellar. It's yeah. hysterical to me.
1: <laughs> but I
2: mean, I get it. Basement. Like all the shows are sold out and it's good. Yeah, but, like it's still. Pretty awesome. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> the world famous. <laughs> ca- it just seems like a anyway. It's a, all right. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, it's we're like the Super Bowl. We're not world champs. It's a Super yeah <laughs> You
1: are a world okay. champion. Damn it.
2: Oh my god you're trying to get me naked okay yeah.
1: <laughs> stick around for our patreon yeah. The- <laughs> yeah you
2: just see my nipples um, <laughs> yeah all
1: right. hey thanks for joining us caitlin thank thanks you all so for much. listening this has been breaking down bits All wow. right. thank
2: you guys thank you
0: Thanks for listening to Breaking Down Bits. You can keep in touch or get more when you follow at Breaking Down Bits on social media. Visit the website BreakingDownBits.com or shoot us an email at BreakingDownBits at gmail.com.